welcome back again, and we are going to go through the Gospel of John, chapter 7. So there were many things that came up. So in John, chapter 6, one of the things that we were talking about was bread from heaven, where Jesus talks about giving his own body as food for us. And followed by that, we hear about a feast called Feast of Tabernacles. So what is the Jewish Feast of Tabernacles? Um, do you, does that name, Tabernacle, ring a bell in your head? Is that something that sounds like Catholic or like, um, something Christian, Jewish? Um, well, according to Jewish tradition, the Feast of Tabernacles, or Sukkot, is actually like a week-long fall festival where they commemorate 40-year journey of the Israelites in the wilderness. You know, it's a time of spiritual purification, for a man and woman to reconcile with God. And it's also the time when they remember how God was with them and protecting them during these difficult um, journey in the desert. So they remember that through this special praise celebration called Feast of the Tabernacles. And if you don't know what is the tabernacle means, well, specifically, if you look it up, it means a house of worship, but... Um, a large building or something, but in the Catholic tradition, a tabernacle is where the consecrated elements of the Eucharist are specially kept. It's an ornamented locked box, you know, where the communion hosts are kept. Well, fun fact, do you think Israelites had something like that? Well, your suspicion was right. Um, Israelites did have a box and they had the Ark of the Covenant, which was also like this golden box. And they used to carry this Ark of the Covenant with them wherever they went. And there were three things that was actually kept in the Ark of the Covenant. One was the manna. Um, the other was the, there, there was actually like a road. I think it's Moses' road. And they also carried the, um, the Ten Commandments. So they had scripture. They had the manna, and they had this road. And what does this mean? Um, you know, do you think, perhaps, what do you think when, well, one of the things, whenever we look at the New Testament, um, different people look at New Testament different ways. Some people look at New Testament as if it's a new church that Jesus completely established, you know, the old is changed, now it's only just the new, and we don't really have to worry about anything from the Old Testament and it's all about the New Testament, especially the Gospels. That's how some people go, go about the Bible, and they believe that the Old Testament is there, just like a history record, to keep the story and to show that the coming of Jesus Christ was prophecy. But if you look at what Jesus is saying, not only does he mention that he did not came to abolish the law, but he came to fulfill the law. In many parts of even the Gospel of John chapter 7, Jesus picks out parts from the Old Testament, not to contradict them, but rather to um, to make more sense of it, to make more... Because if you noticed, there was always this sort of like tough air um, between the Pharisees and Jesus, right? And one of the main things that kind of stood out to me is that it seemed like both of them cannot agree on what the Old Testament was truly teaching them. For example, one of the things that keeps on standing out is about the Sabbath day. 
So if you look in the Sabbath day, you can see how there is a clear disagreement um, between the Jews and um, between the Jews and especially how they thought of, um, you know, what they thought how it should be celebrated, right? Like, um, yep. Yeah, um, also, just a small correction. In the Ark of the Covenant, it's not the Moses' rod, it's Aaron's rod. So I think it was the one transferred from Moses. Anyway, so those were the things. things. So you can see this common disagreement between them. and But if but Jesus is trying to make a point. For example, when John chapter 7, if you go to that one part where they say, where Jesus is asking them, um, you know, why do you seek to... No, before he even asked that, he said, Did not Moses give you the law? Yet none of you keeps the law. Why do you seek to kill me? So one of the Ten Commandments, we know the Fifth Commandment, it's you shall not kill. And killing does not have to be physical. Even if it's coming in your heart and you physically did not commit the action, you are still liable for judgment. And that was according to uh, most of the tradition. And Jesus was asking, you know, you... You speak about the old covenant, about keeping the Sabbath, but you are not following the commandment by desiring to kill me. Um, and that you can see, like, Jesus is not trying to come against the law, but rather to fulfill them. And he mentions a good point um, when we go back and see, read from verse 22 onwards. Moses gave you circumcision, not that it is from Moses, but from the fathers, and you circumcise a man upon the Sabbath. If on the Sabbath a man receives circumcision so that the law of Moses may not be broken, are you angry with me because on the Sabbath I made a man's whole body well? So you can see, like, Jesus is not doing something for his own glory. And he talks about this part a little bit ahead too. And he's not healing the other person for his own sake. For example, whenever we think about Sabbath, we always think about like the work that we kind of do for our own benefit. Um, and we can clearly see that is not what Jesus is doing. Jesus is not, you know, picking grains or picking up food or picking up the manna, like, you know, the Old Testament, you know, they were, God forbid them from picking manna on the Sabbath days. But um, you know, so, but why, why did they pick manna? You can see that these people, they went out on the Sabbath day to pick manna out of greediness because they just wanted more, even though they actually got extra the previous night to account for that day. But Jesus is not doing anything out of his own greediness. Not only is he healing another man, but he's giving credit to the healing of that person to his father so you can see the selfless love in jesus that is being pursued here yet how people misinterpreted him nowadays in society many things are happening that way for example when it comes to the gospel when it comes to the scripture um there are arguments among christians that is not how you interpret it this is not how you interpret it and people are just going um against each other and some people even interpret the gospel in their own ways to fit their lifestyle to fit their sinful lifestyle because they do not want to change and they um you know classify jesus as a cool man who's just trying to tell you to be nice when jesus is more than that when he is the reason he came to this world, it's to set the world on fire. And to set the world on fire, it can also mean that there is going to be some purification there to 
suffering there meaning a detachment because you know fire burns and fire kind of like makes that gold um like you see that person when he puts the gold in the fire it purifies all of the impurities and it purifies so that the gold is now sparkling and you can see the pure gold coming out so just like that he wants to purify us but before we dive in a little bit more deeper let's also think about what aggravated these um jews and especially other people who wanted to kill him so the first part that happens in the gospel is how jesus said he would come a little later and then he did go and he came in private and when he did come people are like you know questioning him and they are just like wondering how he is just so learned even though he is not studied and some people are questioning whether he's the christ and some people are thinking whether the messiah is going to do more greater things than jesus himself did and then people are trying to arrest him followed by that you can see this great division among people and how then he is being trying to be questioned um and people among the pharisees you can see that discussion that's going on so before all of this happened where where this whole master plan to kill jesus is being written out by these pharisees and other jews before that all happened something very special happened in john chapter 6 not only jesus lost a lot of followers over one of the most important teachings in the history of the world where jesus radically changed radically invited everyone to a deeper love by telling them that i'm going to give you my own body as food so if you have not heard that podcast i do recommend you to check back on john chapter 6 bread from heaven and this bread from heaven which also signifies the manna in the old testament but god says like you know those people ate manna but they died but here i am um this is a fulfillment of it now the people who receives me will live forever so people who ate manna a temporary thing died away but people who receives god in the holy eucharist is going to live forever and um by the way when with that sentence you might get a little startled and ask me like so are you saying that anyone who does not receive the holy eucharist or anyone that's not part of the catholic church is not going to be saved that is not what i'm trying to do there um so people are definitely going to be saved um through their faith but god is always inviting them for example if i have a house and i raise my children and i have so many children and then um i would also say that there are children outside of my house i would want them to come into my house to be part of me i would want to adopt them and to clarify we are not born god only has one child god does not have multiple children We are not his birth children. We are his creation. God adopted his creation as his own children. So we are the outsiders whom God adopted as his own children. And you know, in order to adopt us as his own children, he took a great risk. He took a great risk of giving up his own son in the cross. In the cross, he loved his own son to suffer that was the love of the father will we give up our own children to adopt another child 
Yet, it says that my creators, it says that, God says that the, my creation is seeking to kill the creator. And not only were you willing to adopt that child from outside into your own family, but they tried to kill your son. The love of God is undescribable. It is more than we can imagine. And even nowadays, there are people who still sought to kill him. Whenever we read these Gospels, we sometimes think about, you know, like, perhaps this does not apply for us in this current world. You know, those Pharisees, so horrible, those hypocrites. I would have never, you know, treated Jesus like that. But we should ask ourselves, every day, through our sinfulness, through our ignorance, we do push him away. For example, this is the Feast of the Tabernacles, and you can see all of these things that are happening, and you know that they're believing that God is dwelling with them. And before the Feast of the Tabernacles happened, that's when Jesus is saying, like, he is the true living bread, that he's going to come into our hearts, he's going to give his own body for us. And then you can see we are transitioning to this Feast of Tabernacles where even the tabernacle just means God's dwelling place. And in the in the Catholic tradition, uh, in each church, if you go, we have a tabernacle present where the priest will push put the consecrated host inside the tabernacle. And you would usually see a light, like the church could be really dark, but there might be one little candlelight next to this golden box. Sometimes it could be different colors. And um, you would see that one light like shining there. And that means that... Jesus is the true light. And if you didn't know, like also during this Feast of Tabernacles, Jews also used to circle around um, these, the circle around the tent bearing the light, signifying that circle. So they used to have people, they carried like torches around the temple and which illuminated um, along the walls of the temple. And it was to demonstrate that Messiah would be a light to the Gentiles. Oh, how greatly our tradition, our faith, especially in the Catholic Church, we account for the things that we see in the Old Testament. Like literally that light around the tabernacle that's still happening in around all the Catholic churches in the world where Jesus is sitting there. Yet there's no one to go visit him, no one to just be with him. You saw how those brethren, they left Jesus by himself. And then Jesus came in privately yet. And when he did come, come in privately, all they wanted to was all they wanted to do was not to believe in him, but rather to see ways to kill him. Let's ask ourselves, what are the ways that we try to kill Jesus? nowadays perhaps we can point to other people i remember when i first started teaching catechism um, i used to try to think about like why the students were not able to encounter christ and why they were not able to understand the mysteries of the christ when the real problem i later encountered would, was within me how can they encounter christ if my relationship with christ is not strengthening 
day by day meaning i should not be a stagnant person yes before i taught catechism i did encounter christ and everything but was it strengthening or was i the same person yesterday was my relationship growing to him so closer that i just wanted to dwell be with him in this be with him and be in his presence during this feast you know like be beside him and be completely with him my desire to be with god should grow day by day not only should it stop at the commandments it should grow day by day so much that i do not even want to live in this world that i want to just give up my life so that i can be one with him like he became one with me in the holy eucharist in heaven forever amen in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen